Thursday, the 11th of January. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lead the way, O Lord, our light. For those appointed to tasks of leadership, we pray that they may lead your people in the way of holiness. For those who lead the way with joy to the mountain of the Lord, we pray that they be richly blessed. We pray for those who have passed through the gates of death, that they may rejoice for all eternity. O God and giver of all good gifts, you cleanse us from the stain of sin and make us pure of heart through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lead us to dwell with you in holiness in our everyday lives, through constant growth in love for you and for all whose lives we touch. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning. The Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And believe it or not, Travis has some of this stuff caught on video. And you can check that out at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Up this hour, we got lots of good stuff to get to. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, maybe you've uh, started some New Year's resolutions and they've gone poorly very poorly for you, and 11 days into January, you're done. Well, Kevin Prendergast, pastoral counselor, has some better ways to approach uh, goal setting for those of you who feel a little rough about your resolutions. Father Robert Nixon will talk about the virtue of justice. We'll discuss uh, the recent Vatican document on pastoral blessings that's made all the noise uh, with Brendan Hodge from The Pillar, and the numbers he's crunching today in regard to that are how have different parts of the world responded differently and why might it be that certain areas and regions have different kinds of responses? And then uh, we'll also talk to Monsignor Charles Pope about the Magi and our journey of faith since we're just a few days removed from the Feast of Epiphany. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The eastern U.S. is cleaning up after a major storm left damage from the northeast into the deep south. Rivers from New England to the mid-Atlantic were at flood stage yesterday because of heavy rain, and more than 120,000 homes and businesses across the northeast were still without power last night because of damaging winds. At least four deaths have been tied to strong winds in the south, where dozens of tornadoes have been reported since Monday from Texas into South Carolina. Forecasters warn that many of those same areas will be hit by another hazardous storm tomorrow and Saturday. Pope Francis reiterated his prayers for those who suffer from war during his general audience yesterday. The Holy Father, as he so often does, expressed his solidarity with all who suffer from war, especially in Ukraine and the Holy Land. He said, quote, we renew our prayerful closeness to the dear Ukrainian population so harshly tried and to those who suffer the horror of war in Palestine and Israel, as well as in other parts of the world. He said, let us pray for these people who are enduring war, and let us pray to the Lord that he may sow the seed of peace in the hearts of the authorities of the countries, end quote. The Holy Father focused on the deadly sin of gluttony as he continued his catechesis series on vices and virtues at the general audience. 
From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. Eating a slice of cake is not the issue, as Jesus appreciated good food and company, but gluttony, when manifested in taking for granted or distorting our God-given daily bread, can slowly but surely hurt ourselves and destroy the planet, stressing it's the relationship with food that matters. The Pope pointed out that from the Christian point of view, food in and of itself is not bad, but what risks being a problem is instead our relationship with it. The Pope recalled how the Lord rejected the Hebrew law's ritual distinction between pure and impure food. Jesus, he insisted, showed us personally that there is nothing wrong with enjoying a good meal or some wine, as evidenced in Scripture. He wants us to be joyful with him at the table in moments of joy, but also to be prepared to balance that with abstaining and fasting at times of suffering, for example, as we do during Lent. The Pope emphasized that the distortion of our relationship with food and how it changes us and our hearts is what matters. The Holy Father recalled that saying that we eat to live, we don't live to eat. He warned that our consumption behaviors that may seem personal can also greatly impact society. He said the sin of those who, quote, give in in front of a slice of cake, all things considered, does not cause great harm. The veracity with which we have been lashing out for the past few centuries at the planet's goods, on the other hand, the Pope insisted, is compromising everyone's future. The Pope concluded by encouraging us to ask the Lord to help us to move forward in sobriety. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The USDA says more than 21 million children will receive food benefits through a new program in 2024. In total, 35 states, five U.S. territories, and four tribes opted into the summer EBT program, which the government says is meant to supplement programs that have a limited reach to students in the summertime. Children who are eligible for free or reduced lunches at school will also be eligible for summer EBT, which will grant their families an extra $40 a month per child during the summer. A record number of Americans are signing up for the Affordable Care Act so far this year. Yesterday, the Biden administration announced more than 20 million people have signed up for health insurance plans under the ACA, beating last year's record of 16 million. That number is likely to increase as Americans have until January 17th to enroll in coverage. Google is laying off hundreds of people working on its voice-activated Google Assistance software. Trey Thomas reports. The tech company owned by Alphabet said on Wednesday that it's also eliminating hundreds of jobs in its devices and services team. A Google spokesperson told Reuters that the layoffs are part of organizational changes to become more efficient. I'm Trey Thomas. And the head football coach of Alabama has announced his retirement. In a statement yesterday, Nick Saban said that the 17 years spent in Tuscaloosa were not just about wins and losses, but about legacy and how they went about it. The goal was to help players create more value for their future. He also said Alabama will always be considered home to him. Saban's teams won three national championships during the Bowl Championship Series era and three more after the start of the college football playoff. Legend. Legendary uh, Unbelievably. Coach. Yeah. Uh, that, well, well I, I'm kind of surprised that he's, he's retired. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if he'll get bored. My jaw dropped when I heard Paul Lockman reported on Driving Home the Faith here on Sacred Heart Radio yesterday. I was yeah, kind of sure. shocked. 
I was pretty shocked. I don't know if anybody in the SEC can stick around long enough and be consistent enough to ever match, like, his winning percentage, which is just, like, insane. And he's got, like, an 800 winning percentage or something like that. I don't think anybody's going to come close. So, congratulations, Coach Saban. Yeah. I know that uh, down in EWTN country, all the people who don't root for Auburn have been rooting (laughs) for you. Exactly. That's for sure. Exactly. Well, today is Thursday, January the 11th. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's eight past. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Monsignor Charles Pope. You can find him online at MonsignorPope.com. He blogs for the Archdiocese of Washington as well. Find his writing over at blog.adw.org. Good morning, Monsignor Pope. Well, good morning. Good to have you. Now, yeah. on the traditional liturgical calendar, in a time known as Epiphany Tide, the time mm-hmm. after Epiphany. So clearly, mm-hmm. the Epiphany must be an important event for any number of reasons. And, and today, it's going to give us an opportunity to reflect on our own journey of faith as we mm-hmm. as we look at the journey of the Magi. And it's interesting, first of all, Monsignor, they found out about the birth of this king through a star. Tell us, do you think? Well, now, remember, they're they're Gentiles, so they didn't, you know, have, you know, well, they didn't have access to the scriptures, uh, at least in the way that, you know, the Jewish people did. And so uh, God speaks in natural order. And uh, that makes uh, that makes sense, and uh, they they were able to 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 see that that this star or signifies some birth of a great king, and so they follow that nat- that sign from the natural order. And so sometimes for folks, it's not always the Bible that hits them and gets them in. It's uh, some event in the in the natural order, something something like that, you know, that that touches them. Uh, maybe it's uh, it's it's something positive. Uh, could be a negative thing, like a tragedy in their life, but. Something that God speaks to them out of the natural order. It's a beautiful point. And then when the Magi get to Jerusalem, right, they, they, they encounter people who should, A, know about, and B, rejoice over the fact that this, this king has been born, but... What was the response that the Magi actually received from the political and religious leaders at the time? Well, at one level, it was pretty sleepy. I mean, you know, he, even Herod doesn't seem to know much. Of, well, what, what are you talking about? And of course, now Herod's waking up, man. He's like, whoa, wait a minute. Threat, threat, threat. You know, uh, DEFCON 1. <laughs> but um, but uh, the, uh, the more surprising and shocking and sad thing is to, is the response of the religious leaders. Good heavens, you know. I mean, they're just—they're checking all the boxes, you know. A star in the east over Jerusalem or Bethlehem? I mean, and and dromedaries, camels, uh, men from the east bringing gold and frankincense. I mean, all these things are checking the box, you know. All these things were prophecies of the Messiah, and they should have been. Oh my goodness, this is an incredible sign. Maybe the Messiah has been born. Well, I'll tell you, it's Bethlehem. I'll go with you. Right, it's not but, that far. <laughs> yeah, but they don't seem to. They just sort of give the information, and the implication is they just kind of go back to bed. Mm. <laughs> and it's just 
so sad, but, you know, things haven't changed. (laughs) Very often religious leaders are putting in the time, checking the box, punching the clock, you know, kind of functionary, but they're not really, you know, on fire. Yeah. And isn't it incredible with that in mind, the perseverance Mm-hmm. of these gentiles i mean the yeah. perseverance that we that we can learn from them and and their journey is is really quite remarkable yeah despite all the you know negative results and the wickedness they encounter plus then the the apathy uh they continue to follow and they mm-hmm. find jesus uh right there in bethlehem in the house and it, it's, it's amazing they, they fall down and they worship him it's an astonishing moment that the Gentiles are now co-heirs with the Jews and promises of salvation. Yeah. You know, I think, Monsignor Pope, about um, just as, as we've been talking about this, um, the, the stories that I hear from Matt Swaim and the Coming Home Network of, of the resistance that many people get when they approach a parish saying they want to become Catholic and they're like, oh, that's great. Come back in six months. <laughs> When RCI or OCIA begins up again, you know, like there's there's just this real lack of enthusiasm, not everywhere, but in in many parishes um, of of just checking the box. And yet how remarkable is the journey of faith for those who are seeking the fullness of the truth in the Catholic Church in in trying to find a place where they can be welcomed right now? Yeah. And it's it's also it's not just the delay, but. You know, I've had so many people tell me over the years, you know, that the biggest obstacle they faced coming into the church was Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> in the sense that they go into a church and they finally come to discover, oh my gosh, this is the church Jesus Christ founded, not by some human being less than 500 years ago. This this is the real one, and they have the blessed sacrament. <gasps> and, and you walk into the church and the place is kind of sleepy and people are looking at their watches and trying to get out of there as fast as they can. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're more like people who come to get a flu shot, you know, than wow. <laughs> it, it can kidding. be discouraging. And uh, hopefully, again, there's a lot of exceptions out there, good parishes, but it's a pretty discouraging thing. We're very kind of settled down with the whole thing, and it's not very, uh, at times, edifying. And, uh, you know. Certainly, certainly. So what do the Magi then also teach us about the cost of discipleship? Yeah, you know, their their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh are, um, you know, gifts in themselves, but they're, they're also expensive. symbols. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are expensive, right? Yeah. And uh, it's costly, and uh, the gold is all my possessions, the frankincense, all my worship and praise, and uh, the, the myrrh, which is burial ointment, all my life, my whole life, I give it all to you, Lord. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it's a, discipleship is costly, even if salvation is free. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for for this discussion right now, but there's so much more that you can read about in this excellent post over at blog.adw.org on the journey of the Magi and uh, the lessons we can learn from it in our own journeys of faith. And you can find the Archdiocese of Washington blog and Monsignor Charles Pope linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Just click on the show notes for today. Monsignor Pope, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you so much, and happy Epiphany Tide. You too. Thank you.
Thanks. All right, let's take a look at weather across the nation. Now, multiple storm systems will bring widespread snow showers across the interior northwest, Rockies, Great Basin, Sierra Nevada, and Four Corners. Rain will also be mixed in across parts of the Pacific Northwest and Southwest. Another area to watch for active weather will be from the central and southern plains towards the Mississippi River Valley. Heading into the overnight hours, precipitation will become much more widespread. Snow showers will encompass more of the central plains and will spread into the Corn Belt while rain and thunderstorms drench the mid to lower Mississippi River Valley. Across the Great Lakes, light to moderate snow showers will fall before reaching the interior interior northeast by this afternoon. Much of the east coast will get a chance to dry off today with no precipitation expected for much of the coastal northeast, mid-Atlantic, and southeast, though one exception, southern Florida, will see scattered rain showers overtake the skies throughout the day. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. John Chrysostom. St. John Chrysostom is probably the most famous Christian preacher in all of history. His name, which is really a nickname, Chrysostom, means golden mouth. It was given to him because of his preaching. People went to Mass just to hear him preach. St. John Chrysostom was a hero, and he taught us how to speak the truth, but also how to live by that truth, even if we're called to live it heroically. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is urging Israel to work with the United Nations to get humanitarian aid into Gaza. Pope Francis focused on the deadly sin of gluttony as he continued his catechesis series on vices and virtues during his general audience yesterday. Also yesterday, the Holy Father met with members of a group that promotes dialogue between Christians and Marxists. So, you know what that very dialogue presumes? That there is a gap between Marxism and (laughs) and Catholicism. Imagine that. Yes, you could be Christian and have Marxist tendencies, but in terms of like Catholicism itself, 
not compatible. Uh, there are things that are like deeply incompatible. Well, and this is a deeply um, important issue, particularly you think communism's all gone, right? Well, no, South it is not. America is still so. This in is a China. funny. I'll tell you a little journey home story, and people get this kind of thing confused all the time because Catholics are called to like give of themselves to others. We had a guest on a nun of a mendicant order talking about you know how she's sort of like surrendered all her possessions and she relies on the you know the gifts of others which she then distributes out to the poor in her community as a way of like sharing resources from each you know who has to those who do not have Mm -hmm. have. and someone called in and complained like why you got this communist lady on the show i'm like no this is actually how it's supposed to work it's like real this is the book of acts wow you're supposed to voluntarily participate Wow, wow, wow. The difference between that and communism is they just take it. They just take it. And don't actually distribute and then they it give either. A, a tiny <laughs> bit of it. Some animals are more equal than other animals. Indeed. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. In many of his writings, Paul makes it clear that he is not creating some new teaching. It's clear that he wants his teaching to be consistent with the teaching of the apostles. We hear this especially in Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, when he says that he visited with Peter and James before he began his missionary journey to check to make sure his teaching is in line with theirs. At this time in Corinth, The Corinthians were confused about the physical resurrection of Jesus. Some believed he was only spiritually raised and not physically raised. But Paul knew that the physical resurrection was of great importance to our faith, because if Jesus was not physically raised from the dead, then we'd have no hope. St. Paul went so far as to say later on to the Corinthians, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. If we do not have Christ raised from the dead, we have nothing. The death and resurrection then of Jesus are not new teachings that he made up. Rather, they are at the root of the faith. And without these teachings, there is no faith at all. Paul is humble enough to know that his faith is not his own personal possession. It is the faith of the church that unites him to Christ and to all the other members. It's a living, organic faith. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul. Brendan Hodge is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of the novel, If You Can Get It, from Ignatius Press, and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Good to be on with you. It is good to have you back. And there have been no shortage of reactions to Fiducia Supplicans, the declaration on blessings that the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith put out a couple of weeks ago. And the pillar has been doing a really incredible job of tracking the responses 
of bishops, particularly around the world. And you wrote a piece analyzing their responses, sort of looking at it from a regional angle. Now, obviously, there are going to be these outliers when it comes to, quote unquote, conservatives in progressively minded regions and and vice versa. But in general, how did you see regional trends in how this declaration was received? So obviously, as uh, you take a look at the different responses, and we have a, a, a post on Pillar Catholic where we have been compiling in, in one post uh, summaries and links to the responses from bishops and bishops' conferences all over the world, uh, one of the things that you see is that in uh, parts of Western Europe, there's been a lot of enthusiasm about the decree, um, and indeed people talking about it in France and Belgium and Germany as being a good start, that they feel like this is moving in a direction where they would like to go much, much further. Um, And so they see it not as uh, simply stating something about uh, the pastoral nature of blessings, but as being one step on a road to doing something very different in terms of marriage in the Church. And then what we see from places like from Eastern Europe, from Africa, from much of Asia, and uh, to a great extent from the U.S. bishops, is an effort both to explain very, very clearly the distinctions that are made in the document, that the Church has an unchanging teaching about the nature of marriage, and that that is not changing, and that these blessings that are being talked about are a way of calling down God's grace on people who need God's grace in their lives in order to follow God's will, and that they are not an endorsement of the relationship itself. So that it seems like there are these very different tones in these different parts of the world, and it's not just a matter of, is this an affluent part of the world or not, or is it a progressive part of the world or not, because obviously, as we see around us every day, living here in the U.S., the U.S. is one of the richest countries in the world. Um, culturally, there's all sorts of change and progressive activity going on in the U.S. We often see that kind of right up in front of our own faces, and yet we see the bishops of our country trying to make these very clear distinctions for us. Yeah, so you've got kind of an interesting theory, I guess you could say, on why certain regions fall where they do in terms of how they received this declaration. So what did you surmise, Brendan? So one of the things that struck me is if we look at some of the areas in which the bishops have been seeking to use this in a much more accommodating way to make it seem as if the Church is more prepared to bless um, same-sex unions and other um, other unions that are not marriages, is that um, when you look at countries like uh, Austria, southern Germany, um, Belgium, and, um, and parts of Latin America, we're talking about countries in which Catholicism is really the only expression of Christianity around. And so the vast majority of people are baptized into Catholicism when they have any interaction with Christianity at all in their lives. It's with Catholicism. And so for bishops in these areas, what they have is a population where basically everyone is Catholic. If you're not Catholic, you're not Christian at all. And and their big struggle is to keep people from actively choosing to leave the Church. So these bishops are very loss-averse. They're really focused on not giving people a reason to leave. Whereas in the U.S., of course, we know there's a very competitive religious environment. A lot of us have 
friends and family members who have left the church to become evangelicals or mainline Protestants. Um, and although people think of Africa, for instance, as being a region which is deeply Catholic, it's actually a region in which there's huge religious competition. So, for instance, in Nigeria, which is kind of the powerhouse for the ordination of priests these days, Catholics only make up a little more than 10% of the population. There are actually more Protestants there than there are Catholics, and there's a large Muslim uh, population as well. And so Catholics there have to make very, very clear what they believe, why they believe that, and make the case for why you should live your life as a Catholic and not one of these other very actively evangelizing communities. Well, we've only got like a minute before we have to let you go for the day, Brendan. But can you talk about Europe specifically? I find it really interesting, this dividing line between East and West. What do you what do you make of that? So I think one of the things that we should recall in Europe is that, well, in a country like, say, Poland or Hungary, um, there are uh, the Catholic Church is a very established church, and most of the Christians in that country are Catholic. These are countries that lived for a protracted period under communism, and yeah. the Communist Party made a very active evangelical attempt to draw people away from Christianity and to mm. convince people of their atheistic vision of the world. And so these churches in the Eastern Europe that lived under communism understood that they could only live through evangelization. They could not live through accommodation. Very interesting. Well, there's a lot more that you can read from Brendan's analysis over at PillarCatholic.com. You can find that and Brendan's blog, DarwinCatholic.blogspot.com, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Brendan, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you. And you can find all of our guests linked on a daily basis in the show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to click on the subscribe button so you can get all that info in your inbox and access the podcast with markers after the show is over if you want to revisit something. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is urging Israel to work with the United Nations so that it can get humanitarian aid into Gaza. This coming as 90% of Gaza's population faces severe food insecurity, according to the United Nations. Pope Francis reiterated his prayers for those who suffer from war during his general audience yesterday. As he so often does, the Holy Father expressed his solidarity with those, all those who suffer from war, especially in Ukraine and in the Holy Land. He said, we renew our prayerful closeness to the dear Ukrainian population so harshly tried and to those who suffer the horror of war in Palestine and Israel, as well as in other parts of the world. He said, let us pray for these people who are enduring war and let us pray to the Lord that he may sow the seed of peace in the hearts of the authorities of the countries. In his catechesis, the Holy Father focused on the deadly sin of gluttony, continuing his series on vices and virtues at the general audience. The Holy Father said our relationship with food must be balanced. He said we must be grateful for our daily bread and, quote, mindful of our responsibility towards others and virtuous in our enjoyment of the good things of this earth, end quote. The Holy Father also met yesterday with members of a group that promotes dialogue between Christians and Marxists commending them for their works and encouraging them to never stop dreaming.
From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Non escludendo nessuno. The level of a society's civilization is measured by the way those who are less fortunate are treated, the Pope said on Wednesday in his address to representatives of the Dialogue Transversal Dialogue Project. He shared with them his pain for a world that today appears divided by wars and polarization and indicated three attitudes for Dialogue to carry out in its commitment. Il coraggio di rompere gli schemi. The courage to break the mold. L'attenzione ai deboli. Attention to the weak. E la promozione della legalità. And promotion of a culture based on the rules of law. Having the courage to break the mold means opening up in dialogue to new ways, said the Pope. In an era marked at various levels by conflicts and disagreements, let us not lose sight of what can still be done to reverse the course, he said. The Pope then called for constant attention to be paid to the weak because the measure of a civilization is evident in how it treats those on the margins of society. He urged world leaders to put in place policies that are truly at the service of humanity, saying society cannot allow itself to be dictated by finance and market mechanisms. Finally, Pope Francis encouraged a culture based on the rule of law. Fight the scourge of corruption, abuses of power and illegality, he said, because only in honesty, in deeds, can healthy relationships be established and can we cooperate with trust and efficiency in the construction of a better future. I'm Francesca Merlo. Heavy snow and widespread gusty winds are on tap as a strong winter storm continues its cross-country path. It's predicted to make its way across the Midwest, the South, and East from tonight into Saturday. Snow will likely fall heavily in areas like Chicago, Detroit, and Kansas City, with some areas seeing as much as one to two feet. The extreme weather is being blamed for at least four deaths across the Southeast. An Alabama judge is allowing the nation's first execution using nitrogen gas. Brian Shook has more. Kenneth Eugene Smith was sentenced to death for killing a woman in 1988 and survived a botched execution attempt via lethal injection in November of 2022. Smith's new execution sentence is on January 25th. His lawyers argue the second attempt is unconstitutional and an appeal will likely be filed. United Nations officials say death by nitrogen hypoxia could prove to be painful and humiliating. I'm Brian Shook. The USDA says more than 21 million children will receive more food benefits through a new program in 2024. In total, 35 states, five U.S. territories and four tribes opted into the summer EBT program, which the government says is meant to supplement programs that have a limited reach to students in the summertime. Children who are eligible for free or reduced lunches at school during the school year will also be eligible for summer EBT, which will grant their families an extra $40 a month per child during the summer. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is the grace of perseverance? The grace of perseverance is a particular gift by which God enables us to continue in the state of grace till death. Some people have supposed that, well, if I get started down the road to heaven, then nothing's going to stop me. Some people imagine that if I have a ticket to heaven, well, then I'm not getting off the train. That's a good idea, but unfortunately, we know that we can always jump off the train of grace, that perseverance is something that we particularly need. Lord, help me to stay on that train, no matter how bumpy the ride might be. St. Alphonsus Liguori, in order to receive that grace, made a special vow of perseverance, and he encouraged all of his brothers, the Redemptorists, to do the same. We also pray for perseverance, and especially this is manifested in the Hail Mary, that we might persevere now in virtue, all until the time when we are called from this life to meet God face to face. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on a Thursday morning. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia and translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We have been going through the Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's great to be with you. It is great to have you back. And today we are focusing on what St. Albert had to say about the virtue of justice. How does he define this virtue? So uh, the traditional definition of justice is to give to uh, every everyone what is their due. And he gives, uh, he begins by, with God. And he says that true and perfect justice consists in paying to God due praise for the splendor and glory of his divine nature. This includes giving to him both fitting gratitude for all the gifts he bestows on us and also giving him praise and glory for whatever sufferings we are called to undergo mm. according to the mysteries of his divine plan. So I think this is, you know, what is due to each person and what is due to God is literally everything that we have that we need to give him praise and thanks and glory for everything we receive from him, not only the good things, but also the things which are difficult or challenging, realizing that these difficult and challenging things are also part of his divine providence. Yeah, that part was really striking, that it is a matter of justice to praise him even amid our sufferings. Exactly, and in those conditions to... To think that, you know, God actually knows best, even though we don't see things in their entirety in the big picture, God sees it all perfectly, and everything that happens in accordance with his will is ultimately directed at our salvation and our, um, our union with him. 
Yeah, and lest we think that we are being all great and wonderful because we can find it within our hearts to praise God in suffering. I mean, I, I just as you were saying that, I was thinking of the book of Job where um, where God is like, who do you think you are, Job? You know, like, I am the Lord. I know best. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and, Ian, I think, you know, in this regard, it's good to imagine ourselves sometimes as small children. And uh, as God, as our parent, and of course, parents sometimes ask children to do things they might not be that keen on, you know, going Mm -hmm. to school or taking medicine and so forth, but it is actually for their good. And we need to trust God in a similar way. Um, And this requires humility as well, deferring our judgment to his. Absolutely. So then after justice to God, we have justice to our neighbor. Can you talk about the two aspects of that kind yes. of justice? So there are, there are two aspects of this, and they're kind of related. Um, the first aspect is to never to do to one's neighbor what one would not want done to oneself. And this includes never deliberately hurting or offending him by word, action, or sign, or plotting against him or suspecting him of evil, or detracting from his reputation, or disparaging him behind his back, and never trying to impede him from achieving any good thing. So this is actually quite a demanding thing, you know, and we think about how we would like other people to treat us. Basically, we would like them, um, for a start, not to do anything which is detrimental, which causes us pain and so forth. So justice to our neighbour requires that we should never intentionally do anything to another person which causes them uh, pain or sorrow or damages their reputation and so forth. I think this is um, actually quite demanding uh, when you think about it because we can often slip into doing things to other people and if we we experience the same thing ourselves, we certainly wouldn't be happy about it. The second aspect is to do to one's neighbour what one would justly want done for oneself. And this, of course, includes, as um, St Albert specifies here is treating them with due respect and courtesy, not thinking evil of him, rejoicing with him when he rejoices and sympathizing when he suffers, to assume innocence, to defend him from attacks when he is absent. And I think this is such an important thing that we always try to think the the best we can of other people, always give them the benefit of the doubt, to assume their good intentions and their innocence to treat them with respect and courtesy. And this extends not only, of course, to our friends and the people we like, but also the people who we might not get along so well with, or even people with whom we profoundly disagree. Still to give them this respect and courtesy and, and the assumption of their integrity, that they're, that they're behaving with honesty and trying to do the right thing. Yeah, would that we uh, had St. Albert to uh, expand on this now in the age of social media, <laughs> the, the uh, kind of things in, that he indeed, would say. In, indeed, because I think today disparaging other people um, has become almost a habit. And, of, of course, social media contributes to it because there's a degree of um, being anonymous in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to, to try to, you know, stick up with people, even people who we don't like or don't agree with, you know, to, to treat them with a, a certain amount of decency and respect. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting that as uh, we look at justice towards our neighbor, it's not just 
neighbors that uh, that we see um, or or hear. There's also justice towards the dead and also justice towards the holy angels that he talks about. Yeah. And I think this is, is very important. So I think yeah. justice towards the dead, and he talks about um, praying for the dead, that um, this, and, and trying to fulfill their last will and intentions. And I think this is so important because um, each of us, after we have passed out of this world, you know, most of us, I guess, are going to be needing prayers and so forth. And to give to uh, those who have passed away what is due. To remember that they're still part of our human community and we can still help them mm-hmm. with our prayers and piety and offerings. And, of course, to the holy angels who play an immense role in our lives, an invisible role largely, but they're constantly guiding us and guarding us and protecting us. So I think in particular giving thanks to our guardian angel, um, you know, to consider this guardian angel um, a helper and a friend and, and to treat them accordingly, sometimes to acknowledge them through gratitude and so forth. And I think um, Albert makes a, a very good point here that our community isn't only the living people who we can see, but is the departed and is also this multitude of spiritual beings who surround us and guide us. Absolutely. And finally, Father, can you talk about uh, what Albert has to say about the difference between true and false justice and how to cultivate true justice and work against false justice in our lives? Yes. Um, So the idea of true justice is what makes all of our thoughts rightly ordered towards God and neighbor. And this, of course, is the classical definition of justice that it is a proper order in giving to each what is due. But then he talks about a sign of um, counterfeit or false justice. And it's in this case when a person assumes for themselves things which are not really theirs, in particular the right to judge others. And we know that this right belongs to God alone, that he is the only one who is qualified and empowered to do this. But very often we slip into this um, role of assuming a judgment for ourselves and judging, um, judging our neighbor. And, you know, we need to think, a point he makes here, a neighbor's property and reputation belong to him and are his concern. To attempt to take them away from him is to usurp something properly belonging to someone else. So I think this is so important that we respect other human individuals to realize that there is a God who judges, but judgment belongs to God alone. So we shouldn't um, we shouldn't usurp this role. We've been talking to Father Robert Nixon, and you can find Paradise of the Soul linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Nixon, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Annie. God bless you, and God bless all of your listeners. Today. And you as well, Father. Thank you. Hey, Matt. So this is one of these things with video. Are you seeing me on the video right now? I'm, uh, like, trying to make the book. I'm trying to, like... You're trying to, like... Well, but it's weird because it's kind of got, like, that goldy... It has... Text. Yeah, it's, like, the lighting. You can't... I'm, like, trying to get so the, the book at the right the angle so that you can see the actual title of the book. Oh, there we go. I did it. I'm sorry, Travis. What is Matt doing? Matt, what are you doing? 
Oh, okay. Matt, he doesn't have his head. He I just... have other books in this series, which everybody should just buy every single one of. Yeah. I feel like that's easier to read, the Glories, Glories of, of Heaven, Heaven one, because mm-hmm. it's got that nice teal background, so the gold really, like, pops. Yeah. Same with this Thomas Aquinas uh, Oh, yeah, on death. Really but this pops. white one is, like, it's really hard to hard get to the right the angle to get so that you can actually see the title of the book. I like that they're all the same shape and thickness. They work really, they look really Oh, yeah, I know. You know it's... Thickness. You know it's a tan resurrection book. You know it's, I was like, Father Nick, this is one of Father Nixon's projects. Mm-hmm. Right. He's got so many of them. They're cool. I just saw another one from a publicist that's coming out. Every time I see one of these, I'm like, wait, this wasn't translated before? Basically, we get to have it's crazy. Father Robert Nixon on Secula Seculorum. It's anyway, pretty cool. Kevin Prendergast joining us next. It's 12 till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. On Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Father Joseph and Doug Keck mind decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. No subject is off limits and no problem too big for the wisdom and compassion of the one and only Mother Angelica. Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it seems like every time of year there's a reason to uh, talk to Kevin Prendergast, pastoral counselor, a licensed counselor with decades of experience, uh, both in uh, private counseling practice and in helping to train priests and deacons and lay pastoral ministers. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. I think a lot of people know what kinds of resolutions uh, that folks gravitate toward this time of year, how the gyms get packed for about a week and a half, you know, how people Mm -hmm. really give up this or that bad habit for a week and a half. Uh, what are some things to maybe think about if we want to make this stuff stick that we're trying to do at the beginning of a new year? 
Yeah, that's the problem. We, do, we don't uh, sustain our good intentions, right? Uh, but there's a good part here, Matt. I think there's something in each one of us that knows that we, we could be better, we should be better. There's things that we, we really need to change in our life. So New Year's is one moment when, you know, in secular society, people are more aware of that, a turning of a new year, we're getting older, we need to get busy about making some changes. But for us, for us who are Catholics, we're only about five weeks away from Ash Wednesday, right? Yeah, I was so, about to say, Ash, I, well, before yeah. I was Catholic, I didn't have this sort of like secondary booster engine <laughs> to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. At the, yeah, pretty close in the new year. That's exactly. So most people do make resolutions. It's about two out of three adults actually make a New Year's resolution, but probably 75% of them, uh, those are all gone. Anybody that goes to the gym knows by the middle of February, you're not going to have trouble getting a machine, right? And then only, I think one of the studies I saw is only one out of five people sustain their change for two years. So by two years, it's, it's really gone for most people. And then we think about there's a lot of areas we could work on, like physical health with exercise, nutrition, uh, getting better at prayer, going to the sacraments more, changing our relationships. I want to have a better marriage, or maybe I want to get rid of a bad habit like smoking, drinking too much, being on the screen too much, using porn, gambling, whatever. Uh, but, but really, the, I've got a couple of things here, Matt, that I think why, why do resolutions really not work? And I think there are some things we don't do. Uh, so one is that people, and this applies to Lent too, so we could even start thinking about this, is am I working on the right thing? Like, do all the people in my life want me to eat less sweets? Is that the first thing that they would say if we asked, you know, what do you think I most need to change, right? Maybe I want to do that. Maybe that's a little bit easier. But if if I have a trusted uh, other, a, a confident, a, a confessor, an accountability partner that I could ask or ask my spouse or family, uh, what what should I be working on? What bugs you the most? And then prioritize. And then certainly as Catholics, this is a little different thing than a resolution is we can go to our Lord and say, Lord, a lot of, there's a lot of things in my life that are not perfect. Which one of these do you want me to focus on for a period of time? And I, I think most people that I know do not put any sufficient preparation into making a change. And then when they do make a change, it's something very vague. I want to get healthier. I want to lose weight. I yeah. want to get my marriage better. I want my finances to be right. better. Doesn't everybody want that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there's no specific there's plan. No like, what does it. that look like? How sure. am I going to translate that into action? And then we've talked about this before, Matt, that we have unrealistic expectations that if I just make this resolution and stick with it for three or four weeks, there'll be magical changes. And we know from research that a moderately difficult habit takes a medium amount of time of 66 days to really become hardwired where we don't have to put so much effort into it kind of becomes more automatic and for a more difficult one it's probably closer to three months so i tell my clients you know two or three months of pretty consistent effort maybe every day uh to plug away at something whether that's exercise or prayer whatever well, I had uh, a question we, for yeah, you. Go ahead. Speaking now, yeah. since you brought in prayer, uh, I looked down your notes and I saw uh, a uh, a ten dollar theological word in here: uh, the heresy of Pelagianism. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like with yeah. just a moment left, it's good to identify what that is and how to think about that in light of everything you just said. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. So the Pelagians believed, you know, we, you know, we, we have the capacity through our own willpower to make those changes and kind of earn our salvation. And, and Americans really tend to drift into that. So it's not a self-help program. Catholicism, Christianity is not a self-help program. Uh, we need to turn to God. And, and there's two things here, Matt. One is at the beginning to ask for God's uh, wisdom and grace to see what I should be working on, but then also to realize that we are going to fall short. You know, I fall down, I get back up again. I fall down and I get back up again. We're talking about progress, not perfection. So we need the Lord's help to help us when, you know, after a few weeks, it's going to be very hard to sustain any habit. And that's where we need to talk to our Lord, but also, you know, having an accountability partner, a, a, partner, uh, a friend, a trusted advisor, a confessor, uh, someone that we can we can bounce things off and keep track of our progress and say, here's where I'm running into difficulties. And maybe my plan was too ambitious at the beginning. I need to fine tune that. I need some help. I need some grace. I can't do it by myself. Very good stuff. Uh, Kevin Prendergast. I get knocked down, but I get up again. John yeah. Walmart, keep me down. Thank yeah. you so much. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Very much encouraged people to, to take a look at these issues from a Catholic perspective instead of just, you know, going to the self-help aisle. We're back with another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up after the break, including Rita Heikenfeld, who will have some ideas uh, for easy-to-make recipes to take to people who are homebound for whatever reason. Maybe they just had a new baby. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're recovering from surgery. Maybe they're just homebound uh, due to age. But Rita's got some handy, clever ways for you to assist people in those situations. We'll have recipes, too. Stay with us as the Sunrise Morning Show continues after the break. It's three minutes till. this Thursday, the 11th of January, let's begin by praying the prayer to the Holy Spirit in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We've got camera footage of this whole operation that Travis is putting together, and you can see it, a link to it in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Andrew Swafford is part of the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. We've been going through it book by book. Today we're on the Book of Wisdom. Rita Heikenfeld has ideas for making meals to tote to those who uh, are 
going through some kind of a situation where it's a little hard for them to get around. Gary Machuda continues our series on his book, The Gospel Truth, and we'll talk more about prayer in the new year and making good, concrete, and practical re- uh, resolutions about prayer with Father Boniface Hicks. So please do stay with us if you can. <clears throat> Pardon me. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Heavy snow and widespread gusty winds are on tap as a strong winter storm continues its cross-country path. It's predicted to make its way across the Midwest, the South, and the East from tonight into Saturday. Snow will likely fall heavily in areas like Chicago, Detroit, and Kansas City, with some areas seeing as much as one to two feet. The extreme weather is being blamed for at least four deaths across the Southeast. Pope Francis reiterated his prayers for those who suffer from war during his general audience yesterday, expressing solidarity, especially with the people of Ukraine and the Holy Land, saying we renew our prayerful closeness to the dear Ukrainian population so harshly tried and those who suffer the horror of war in Palestine and Israel, as well as in other parts of the world. He said, let us pray for these people who are enduring war and let us pray to the Lord that he may sow the seed of peace in the hearts of the authorities of the countries. The Holy Father focused on the the deadly sin of gluttony as he continued his catechesis series on vices and virtues during the Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. Eating a slice of cake is not the issue as Jesus appreciated good food and company, but gluttony when manifested in taking for granted or distorting our God-given daily bread can slowly but surely hurt ourselves and destroy the planet, stressing it's the relationship with food that matters. The Pope pointed out that from the Christian point of view, food in and of itself is not bad, but what risks being a problem is instead our relationship with it. The Pope recalled how the Lord rejected the Hebrew law's ritual distinction between pure and impure food. Jesus, he insisted, showed us personally that there is nothing wrong with enjoying a good meal or some wine, as evidenced in Scripture. He wants us to be joyful with him at the table in moments of joy, but also to be prepared to balance that with abstaining and fasting at times of suffering, for example, as we do during Lent. The Pope emphasized that the distortion of our relationship with food and how it changes us and our hearts is what matters. The Holy Father recalled that saying that we eat to live, we don't live to eat. He warned that our consumption behaviors that may seem personal can also greatly impact society. He said the sin of those who, quote, give in in front of a slice of cake all things considered, does not cause great harm. The veracity with which we have been lashing out for the past few centuries at the planet's goods, on the other hand, the Pope insisted, is compromising everyone's future. The Pope concluded by encouraging us to ask the Lord to help us to move forward in sobriety. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The USDA says more than 21 million children will receive food benefits through a new program in 2024. 35 states, five U.S. territories, and four tribes have opted into the summer EBT program, which the government says is meant to supplement programs that have a limited reach to students in the summertime. Children who are eligible for free or reduced lunches during the school year will now be eligible for summer EBT, which grants their families another $40 a month per child during the summer. Mortgage applications are soaring in the beginning of 2024. It could signal that lower rates are bringing potential homebuyers into the market. That according 
To a Mortgage Bankers Association report, applications surged during the first week of January seasonally adjusted. The news comes after a bad year for home affordability. Dropping mortgage rates could help that, despite prices remaining high. Google is laying off hundreds of people working on its voice-activated Google Assistant software. Trey Thomas reports. The tech company owned by Alphabet said on Wednesday that it's also eliminating hundreds of jobs in its devices and services team. A Google spokesperson told Reuters that the layoffs are part of organizational changes to become more efficient. I'm Trey Thomas. The Crimson Tide are losing a legend. Longtime head coach Nick Saban has announced his retirement. He won seven national championships during his career, including six as the leader of the Tide. The 72-year-old just completed his 17th season at Alabama, which ended with a loss to the eventual national champs in the college football playoff at the Rose Bowl. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Pope Francis will be canonizing a fellow Argentinian soon. The Vatican yesterday released the Holy Father's liturgical schedule from now until the beginning of Lent, and among the headlines is the canonization ceremony for Blessed Maria Antonia of St. Joseph on February 11th. Among other liturgies, the Pope is set to celebrate Mass and lead the traditional procession to the Station Church for Ash Wednesday, which, as a reminder, everyone, is February 14th. All right. So we got about a month. There you have it. There not have a bad, it. Not a bad idea to start thinking about. Lent. You know, I, I've been thinking about, you know, you have a lot of stories that I have thoughts on. Mm -hmm. But just to go back to the Nick Saban story. Yeah. Coach Saban is, of course, a Catholic mm -hmm. um, and has, has mentioned that a few times publicly. Mm -hmm. And since he's get a, got a little free time, uh, Coach Saban, if you're listening and you want to be our college football Catholic correspondent, you're Ooh. more than welcome to join us. Because, to be honest, I have noted Anna Mitchell, and I've been meaning to say something to you. There is a just an overwhelming Big Ten bias on this radio show, and I feel like something has to be done about it. So, Coach Saban, if you want to swing the balance back towards the SEC, you the greatest want... conference in the in the land, then, then you're welcome to join us at any time. You, so as a Tennessee Volunteers fan, want to focus on the SEC? I'm just saying. I'm just That's saying. Interesting. That, I think that would be painful for you, wouldn't it? No. Well, I mean, actually, I don't want to be... I don't know that I could face my family at the next holiday if I gave airtime to somebody from Alabama. Uh-huh. That'd be maybe a problem. Mm-hmm. There'd be personal ramifications for that. It's interesting. Very interesting. Go Big Orange. Go Bucks. It's seven past. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press, which you can find at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And here with us today is one of the contributors, Dr. Andrew Swafford. Andrew, it's good to have you back. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. So today we are talking about the Book of Wisdom, and some Bibles may have it titled The Wisdom of Solomon. So did Solomon write this book? 
Yeah, no, it's really kind of more in the in the uh, honor of Solomon and the person of Solomon. Um, the chapter six through nine kind of speak in his name, and they kind of meditate upon the gift of wisdom given to Solomon. Uh, but yeah, the early church, you know, understood this not not to be from the hand of Solomon, but kind of in his name, and and kind of continue that wisdom tradition. So, do we know who did write it? No, I mean that's, that's we can kind of speculate. Um, sure. It's it's we it comes to us in Greek, and we can look at uh, you know different things, but uh, no, there's not really any clear indication as to who wrote it, but it sort of kind of comes from that wisdom tradition, uh, from the, that kind of font of Solomon. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Now, um, this, of course, not a narrative book, but there are some distinguishable sections, I guess you could say, within the 19 chapters of the Book of Wisdom. So can you talk about how we can break it up? Yeah, I, I, this is a fun, fun book. I mean, chapters 1 through 5 is sort of like this meditation on death and how God did not create death, and we are made for immortality, and, and death and evil won't have the last word, and the, the, the righteous are in the hands of God, and their hope is full of immortality. Uh, and then as you move into chapters 6 through 9, uh, it's more this kind of meditation reflection upon Solomon, uh, the gift of wisdom given to Solomon, the kind of royalty of wisdom, and you have these really beautiful chapters uh, that describe wisdom as as almost uh, you know, you're 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 inching toward the Trinity here. That this this lady wisdom is this uh, you know emanation from the Almighty, almost as if it's it's eternal, and even speaks of uh, the Holy Spirit in parallel with with wisdom in chapter nine, verse seventeen. Um, and then as you move to chapters ten through nineteen, it's it's more wisdom's role throughout salvation history. Uh, a lot of kind of reflection upon the Exodus narrative, um, just the the kind of uh, defeat of idolatry and wickedness and immortality. Uh, and some of that, like in chapter 13 in Wisdom, um, Paul, St. Paul in Romans 1 alludes to those chapters uh, in terms of being able to kind of recognize the hand of the Creator from the mm-hmm. things that He has made. Yeah, and I want to get back to those references in just a second here. But this is one of those books that if you have a Protestant Bible, um, is why your Protestant Bible is thinner than Catholic Bibles, uh, the Book of Riz- Wisdom, not in like the NIV or some other uh, Protestant version of the Bible. Can you talk about why that is? That's true. It comes to us in Greek. Uh, it's in the Septuagint. Uh, so the rabbinic Judaism eventually did not accept this book, and, and the Protestant canon tends to follow that. Uh, the, the canon of rabbinic Judaism. Uh, it, it's, you know, ultimately was included in the canon by the Church Fathers and councils of uh, Hippo, for example, in Carthage in the late 4th century. Um, so, yeah, it, it was accepted by uh, the um, the Jews that were reading the Septuagint, so the Diaspora Jews, the Greek-speaking Jews, um, but again, wasn't eventually accepted by, the, by rabbinic Judaism, and that was followed by the Protestants. Um, but yeah, was accepted by the Church, uh, is... is um, Quoted by you know various New Testament authors uh, and the like, um, you know it, it, this canon really comes down to authority. You can't really have a, a judgment about what should be in the canon without accepting the authority behind that. And, and really, it's I mean this is where I mean it's kind of church and Bible both or neither because you can't really accept, you can't really embrace kind of infallible uh, you know Bible juice from a fallible Catholic orange. So either you accept the decisions <laughs> of the bishops. And the councils that really, through the Holy Spirit, adjudicate the canon, um, or you're really not sure. Well, what do you think? Um, why was it accepted by the authority of the church as being a canonical book of the Bible? Let's defend it here. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, this it, in some ways it's, it's received from from Jewish hands, from this Old Testament uh, inheritance. Um, yeah, I, I suppose that, that that's that's maybe um, you know, I mean, one of the arguments that Martin Luther resurrected was that which is not in Hebrew uh, is is not to be accepted, mm-hmm. and that that makes sense on its surface. But then we have books like Tobit that were founded at Scrolls in Aramaic and Hebrew. And then we have Sirach that was founded in Hebrew. So that, that argument doesn't, you know, these are books that are not accepted by Protestants. So that doesn't quite work. And I think the thing, too, is we tend to think of these deuterocanonical books. So, you know, Wisdom, Sirach, Tobit, Judith, 1-2 Maccabees, Baruch, uh, as sort of separate, as a separate canon. But really, each one of these books by the other church was treated individually. They weren't like, do we accept all these or not? It was individually. And, and so Wisdom of Solomon was accepted as part of this wisdom tradition. Um, you've spoken of uh, among the books of Solomon, but not necessarily committing itself to Solomon having written them, whether it's you know, Proverbs and Song of Songs and Ecclesiastes, um, and just part of this wisdom tradition that is part of the great biblical inheritance. So um, I, I, I think it's as, it's as simple as that, but it's not like, you know, I mean, the, the, the Scriptures are inspired— but you needed an outside authority to recognize that inspiration. It doesn't confer it, but to recognize it so that we would know it. Right. And I mean, it's not like it came out of nowhere. There's a huge section in uh, this Catholic Guide to the Old Testament of re- references back to the Book of Wisdom that are actually contained in Scripture itself. Jesus even um, paraphrasing the Book of Wisdom, St. Paul using it quite often, and uh, you've got all the references in here. And just quickly, I mean, how would you encourage folks, what themes would you have them uh, kind of keep in the back of their mind as they're reading the Book of Wisdom? Yeah, and just real quick on the canon discussion, I mean, it's important to recognize that the canon for the Old Testament, the Jews, it was not closed in Jesus' day. That, yeah. that was, there was ongoing debates for many centuries. Yeah, I, I think the question of life and death, the question of immortality, the question of death not having the last word, that's what wisdom is all about. Nice. A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to Dr. Andrew Swafford. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you. You bet. All right, let's take a look at weather across the nation. Multiple storm systems bringing widespread snow showers across the interior northwest. The Rockies, Great Basin, Sierra Nevada, and Four Corners today. Rain will also be mixed in across parts of the Pacific Northwest and Southwest. Another area to watch will be from the central and southern plains towards the Mississippi River Valley. Heading into the overnight hours, precipitation will become much more widespread. Snow showers will encompass more of the central plains and will spread into the Corn Belt, while rain and thunderstorms drench the mid to lower Mississippi River Valley. Across the Great Lakes, light to moderate snow showers are expected and will reach the interior northeast by the afternoon. Much of the east coast today will get a chance to dry off. No precipitation except expected for much of the coastal northeast, mid-Atlantic, and southeast, though southern Florida is a bit of an exception. Rain showers expected there. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Are you longing to hear God's voice? 
Lord Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people, now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Catechism in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is coming soon to Catholic Radio. Encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith as we journey together toward our heavenly home. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, starting Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on EWTN Radio. 18 past, here's Anna with headlines. Heavy snow and gusty winds are still on tap as a strong winter storm continues its path across the country. Pope Francis focused on the deadly sin of gluttony as he continued his catechesis series on vices and virtues at his general audience yesterday. Also yesterday, the Holy Father met with members of a group that promotes dialogue between Christians and Marxists. News the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, uh, we have finally really gotten to dig in the daily Mass readings into the Gospel of Mark, and Mark is kind of the Gospel for this year, mm-hmm. um, this liturgical year. And Although uh, we're going to be in John on Sunday. We'll be on John on Sunday, but we'll be getting a lot of Mark. We You have to sort of spread out because Mark's real short. Right. Um, but true. there are a few things that are really characteristic of Mark's gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the demon alert. Jesus casts out like lots of demons. Mm-hmm. And in the sandwich. Mark's gospel. There's the market sandwich, the story within the story. But the messianic secret is a big one. Shh. Shh. Messianic secret. Shh. And you get that in today. Actually, you get that through the whole, the whole first half of Mark, uh, where Jesus heals a leper and uh, the leper's made clean. And then Jesus warns him sternly. Don't tell anybody. And what does the leper do? He because disobeys Jesus. Goes and tells everybody. <laughs> and it says that it, it became impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly, and he remained outside in deserted places. But over and over again, Mark picks up on this. This is one of the things that's important for Mark to let you know about Jesus is that it's other people who are spreading the word about Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's not out there, you know, trying to build clout by... Uh, well, he is God. He doesn't need tweets. to build clout. He's got to do what he does. He just is. And the people come. It's 21 past.
Mornings make you want to stay in bed. It's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack from Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Cincinnati, Ohio, with the Sacred Heartbeat. The Sacred Heart of Jesus beats with a perfect love in his church and for his church. He asks us for a response to his love for us, and one way he asks us to respond is frequent attendance at Mass and the reception of Holy Communion, particularly on the first Friday of every month. He promises us that we will receive special gifts by attending nine consecutive First Friday Masses. In this promise, Jesus reminds us that by approaching him in loving humility and asking his forgiveness for our sins and those of the whole world, we may properly dispose our hearts and souls to be transformed in his divine love. Let us make a sincere effort to keep the First Friday devotion so that our broken hearts may be healed, and through our love and presence, a broken world will be made whole. It's always great to catch up each week with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com to discuss Bible food. Sometimes we look at various herbs and foods and other things in the Bible uh, and you know how they can kind of work into conversations today, but sometimes we just talk about eating and food from a Catholic perspective. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, and you know what, Matt, um, the two casserole recipes I'm going to share, uh, last, uh, last week we talked about healthy drinks when you're not feeling so great. Then I got a couple emails, what about um, casseroles that, we can, that are easy to make that we can share, like take to some, a family who's not well. And I thought, you know what, these both, the Italian sausage and ravioli casserole and one of my favorites, the tater tot casserole, both contain uh, Bible ingredients like garlic and onions, uh, cheese and all that, but um, just perfect. They're not fancy, and Paul was saying, oh, boy, they look so good. And I'm so happy because sometimes this is what you need. It is certainly the case. And, you know, I was thinking about the various situations that a person might be in that we as their parish community, uh, you know, might want to build a meal train. You know, there, there are people who mm-hmm. have these things already kind of in place, like bereavement committees have these things in place, um, you know, and there are others, right? Because, you know, sometimes there are people who have just had like, I mean, if you got knee surgery, you can't just get up and go make something in the kitchen, right? Or if you just had a new baby, that's your full focus. Um, or if you're recovering from COVID or something, uh, I mean, it's important for us as a parish community to take care of the people who are in the family of God with us. Oh, yeah, and the best thing about these two is you, you can double up and make one for yourself and then freeze it. So um, I'm not sure which is your favorite, so you choose which one we're going to talk about first. 
All right, so before I launch into which one is my favorite, uh, I want to just mention that in the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, we are told as Catholics that we're supposed to feed the hungry, mm-hmm. give water to the thirsty, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned. Sometimes when you're, <laughs> you're homebound, it feels like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the spiritual works of mercy, right, we are to comfort the afflicted. So that's five you can knock off of your list just by making these meals and helping somebody out. But tell me, Rita, about the tater tot casserole. Oh, I knew you were going to choose that first. You know, um, I did not grow up with tater tots, and and they really weren't something in my life. Really? Well, then you didn't go to public school in the 1980s like I did. I did not. Um, But boy, oh boy, when my kids would come home from school and they said they had this casserole at like Billy's house and it had tater tots and then boy I was I was introduced to a whole new world. Anyway, this is a wonderful recipe, really easy and loved by kids. You're just going to take um, some olive oil and just film a skillet. First of all, you're going to just spray a 9 by 13 casserole and then you're going to add some onions and ground beef um, to that skillet and then just cook that till the beef is done. And then um, you're just going to put the beef and onions in a bowl, and then you're just going to add some garlic salt, some sour cream, um, condensed cream of chicken soup, some cheddar cheese, and some milk. Stir all that up. It's not going to look beautiful, but it's going to be good. And then add salt and pepper if you want. And then what you do, you just sort of pour that all into a casserole, and then you top it with some tater tops. And um, I'll have all the specifics on my website. You just bake that mat about 45 minutes. So good. And then if you like extra crispy tater tots, one of our listeners said, just leave the whole thing under the broiler for a a few minutes. So um, you can't go wrong with this tater tot casserole. And it can be frozen um, before or after. So just a wonderful one that's going to make somebody not feeling the greatest or um, under the weather doesn't feel like cooking supper for the family. It's perfect. Oh man, it sounds amazing! And uh, you know, you mentioned it doesn't look beautiful at the sp- uh, at the start, but I will say, like, if you put the tater tots on and you do that broiler at their end, and you get like the golden brown on the tater mm-hmm. tots, it, do- it does. The presentation is nice. Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, an inverted uh, low key shepherd's pie variation <laughs> almost. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's great. But I want to talk about this ravioli recipe too. Uh, there's a, well, it's not just merely ravioli, it's a ravioli casserole. Yeah, and you know, a lot of uh, people think of lasagna to take uh, two families, and that takes some work. Well, this is sort of tastes like lasagna, but it's so much easier. What you're going to do is you're going to take some, uh, just a roll of Italian sausage, either mild or hot, um, some onion and some garlic, and you're just going to cook that in a skillet till the sausage is done, and then you're going to stir in some pasta sauce. Um, you know, just the jar. Now, I like plain marinara, um, and I, what would you like in there? Do you like the plain marinara, or do you like the ones with veggies and all that? I'd rather go plain and then modify to my specs. There you go. You could put some veggies in there. Well, so basically, if you stir in the pasta sauce, um, you're going to just spray a 9 x 13 pan again, and you're going to spread um, a cup of that sausage mixture on the bottom, and then you're going to take um, uh, a bag of cheese ravioli, about 24 ounces or so. It's frozen, and you're going to just dump half of that on top, spread that. Then you're going to sprinkle it with some Italian cheese or even just mozzarella. Um, and then you're going to top it with the rest of the ravioli, the rest of the so- sausage mixture, and the rest of the cheese. 
And you're just going to cover that with foil and bake about 45 minutes or so, just till it's thoroughly heated, and then um, the ravioli will be done. And then you remove the foil, and then you need to bake it until the cheese melts a little bit. Yeah. Let it sit a few minutes before serving. It's like lasagna, but so much easier to serve and to eat. Very good. Well, Rita, you've told me before that when it comes to somebody who's in this sort of situation, you have a whole bunch of tips, you know, about how to deliver things. But there are three that have always stuck with me. One, make something that works really well as leftovers. Yeah. easy leftovers. Yes. Uh, bring it all in disposable containers so nobody mm-hmm. has to wash dishes or return anything to you. And number three, don't hang around and chat for two hours. If somebody's not feeling great, <laughs> drop it off and uh, let them be in rest. That's so. right. That's probably one of the most important Yes, especially if they got a sleeping newborn in the house. Mm-hmm. Rita Heikenfeld, we've got your recipes in the show notes today at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. I will, Matt, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, it's half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is urging Israel to work with the United Nations so that humanitarian aid can get into Gaza. It comes as 90% of Gaza's population faces severe food insecurity, according to the U.N. Pope Francis reiterated his prayers for all those who suffer from war during his general audience yesterday. The Holy Father expressed his solidarity with all who suffer from war, especially in Ukraine and the Holy Land, saying, We renew our prayerful closeness to the dear Ukrainian population so harshly tried and to those who suffer the horror of war in Palestine and Israel as well as in other parts of the world. He said, let us pray for these people who are enduring war, and let us pray to the Lord that he may sow the seed of peace in the hearts of the authorities of the countries. The Holy Father focused on the deadly sin of gluttony as he continued his catechesis series on vices and virtues during the general audience. He said, our relationship with food must be balanced and said, we must be grateful for our daily bread and mindful of our responsibility towards others and virtuous in our enjoyment of the good things of this earth. Also yesterday, Pope Francis met with members of a group that promotes dialogue between Christians and Marxists, commending them for their work and encouraging them to never stop dreaming. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. The level of a society's civilization is measured by the way those who are less fortunate are treated, the Pope said on Wednesday in his address to representatives of the Dialogue Transversal Dialogue Project. He shared with them his pain for a world that today appears divided by wars and polarization and indicated three attitudes for dialogue to carry out in its commitment. Il coraggio di rompere gli schemi. The courage to break the mold. L'attenzione ai deboli. Attention to the weak. E la promozione della legalità. And promotion of a culture based on the rules of law. Having the courage to break the mold means opening up in dialogue to new ways, said the Pope. In an era marked at various levels by conflicts and disagreements, let us not lose sight of what can still be done to reverse the course, he said. The Pope then called for constant attention to be paid to the weak because the measure of a civilization is evident in how it treats those on the margins of society. He urged world leaders to put in place policies that are truly at the service of humanity, saying society Society cannot allow itself to be dictated by finance and market mechanisms. Finally, Pope Francis encouraged a culture based on the rule of law. Fight the scourge of corruption, abuses of power and illegality, he said, because only in honesty, in deeds, can healthy relationships be established and can we cooperate with trust and efficiency in the construction of a better future. 
I'm Francesca Merlo. The eastern United States is cleaning up after a major storm left damage from the northeast into the deep south. Rivers from New England to the mid-Atlantic were at flood stage yesterday because of heavy rain, and more than 120,000 homes and businesses across the northeast were still without power last night because of damaging winds. At least four deaths have been tied to strong winds in the south, where dozens of tornadoes have been reported since Monday from Texas to South Carolina. Forecasters warn that many of those same areas will be hit by another hazardous storm starting tomorrow and into Saturday. An Alabama judge is allowing the nation's first execution using nitrogen gas. Brian Shook reports. Kenneth Eugene Smith was sentenced to death for killing a woman in 1988 and survived a botched execution attempt via lethal injection in November of 2022. Smith's new execution sentence is on January 25th. His lawyers argue the second attempt is unconstitutional and an appeal will likely be filed. United Nations officials say death by nitrogen hypoxia could prove to be painful and humiliating. I'm Brian Shook. The USDA says more than 21 million children will be able to receive food benefits through a new program in 2024. In total, 35 states, five U.S. territories and four tribes opted in to the summer EBT program, which the government says is meant to supplement programs that have a limited reach to students in the summertime. Children who are eligible for free or reduced lunches during the school year will also be eligible for summer EBT, which will give their families an extra $40 a month per child in the summer. It's 35 minutes past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Perhaps one of the most famous wrestling matches of all time is the wrestling match between Jacob and a mysterious heavenly figure. At this point in his life, Jacob is still on his spiritual journey. And in fact, that journey will continue for nearly 20 more chapters in the book of Genesis. In that wrestling match, Jacob was clearly outmatched. One touch from his opponent put his hip out of joint. Yet Jacob refused to yield. And as long as it remained dark, he was allowed to have his way. But one day, light would dawn. And on that day, Jacob would discover that it's far better to allow God to prevail. And on that day, Jacob would receive a new name, Israel. We might reflect on Jacob's wrestling match and recognize that we too would do far better to allow God to prevail in our lives. We could remember the words of our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but thine be done. 
For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. We are going through Gary Machuda's book. It's called The Gospel Truth, and it is helping us to understand the reliability of the gospel accounts. Gary is, of course, online at Hands On Apologetics. That is a fantastic place to go if you've got questions about anything related to the faith. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. All right, so we've been talking a little bit about the uh, integrity of texts, right? We talked about the copy of a copy and all that stuff, <laughs> you know, and how we can trust that, that the copies that we have are likely, um, you know, uh, well, almost certainly reliable. But when it comes to the idea of figuring out out of all these books, which ones are supposed to actually go in the Bible, how do we trust that the church made the right call? Yeah, um, well, you know, what I do is I point out that the same kind of methodology, essentially, that you use when you're looking at all the different manuscripts and variations on manuscripts and stuff to determine the original, you can use essentially the same kind of methodology to determine which books belong in the Bible. And in fact, that's what appears to have happened in the, the uh, late 4th century with the councils of Carthage and Hippo. St. Augustine was the mover and shaker of those councils, and we know in his work on Christian doctrine that he instructs people, if you want to know which books belong to the canon, what you do is you look at uh, what books are used throughout the whole Church, and especially by those churches known to either be the seat of an apostle or to have received letters. And that kind of follows the same methodology as we use with manuscripts, right? We look for what goes back as far as you can trace in antiquity, uh, what's been used throughout the Church, and also the consensus. So it's interesting, and we'll get to, uh, hopefully, the Old Testament canon and the New Testament canon sort of individually later on. Uh, but just from a matter of principle, it's when the Church establishes the canon of the New Testament, it says these 27 books are in, no other books are in, all 27 of these have to be in. They're, that's not the same as them saying, nobody is allowed to read the Shepherd of Hermas or the Epistle of Clement anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, and, in fact, they were read in the Church. In fact, some local churches even uh, may have uh, read them as Scripture from the pulpits. But the funny thing is, is that those were just local churches. You know, some some books could sneak their way into the reading at Mass. Uh, maybe it's a, a book that the particular pastor thought was authoritative, or, or even um, there is an ancient document known uh, as First Clement, which was a letter from Pope St. Clement I to the Church in Corinth. And the churches in Corinth read uh, this letter at Mass, and in fact they did it so much that it kind of snuck its way into the back of the Bible. So uh, since that was an isolated incident, um, when you compare it with the Church as a whole, you're able to say, okay, well that was an addition. But like you said, I mean, these books were also read, even though, strictly speaking, they weren't Scripture. So Ken Hensley and I have talked about this on our on the journey series that we did. We did like several episodes on Sola Scriptura, and it strikes me that that everything you've just said really shows why the idea of Sola Scriptura is completely unhistorical, 
and not workable and a whole bunch of other things because if sola scriptura, the Bible alone, was meant to be mm -hmm. the sole rule of faith and practice in the early church, then why was the canon not established in 34 AD? <laughs> right? Like, right. Why, right. And why weren't Matthew and John and Luke and Mark and, and, and Paul like writing down like literally every sermon, literally every teaching of Jesus, literally everything? Like why wasn't this all written down in the moment and put together in a book like two weeks after Jesus ascended? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, um, that's because, you know, you, the Bible relies on a community of believers. And we've talked about that, how not only do you need the community of believers to uh, authenticate Scripture, but you need it to tell us why we should believe it's true, you know? So there's this body of knowledge that continues alongside uh, the, the written Scripture, which Catholics call sacred tradition. And you can't really know what the Bible is without sacred tradition, and you can't really clearly understand sacred tradition without the Bible. So there's this, this interesting interaction between the two. I just thought of another reason why uh, the Church didn't assemble the New Testament canon in 34 AD. It's because yeah. none of that stuff had been written yet. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and and even you know uh, even soul scripturists will uh, admit that there was a period of oral transmission of scripture before it was written down, and and certainly it continued on. And um, but I think that the real problem though is the the edges, you know, the last books of the canon, because Jesus and the apostles didn't say, okay, there's going to be this set number of books, right? So when do you cut it off? I think that is really an answer that would uh, you can only answer later on in church history. You know that these books and these books alone were accredited early on um, because uh, you know it, it doesn't have to be only the writings of the apostles. You know, Luke was a, a follower of uh, Saint Paul, so you know there, there is a, a little bit of ambiguity. When does it end? And like I said, it really wasn't until the fourth century that the Church could say definitively, these and only these books. Well, my last question for you, Gary, is why are we using this word canon to describe all this stuff? Because <laughs> it is sort of like a strange word, like, oh, the canon of Scripture. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Oh, it's just a list of books that belong in the Bible. Why do we use that word canon to describe this? Yeah, canon comes from the Greek word canon, which means a reed or measuring rod. And uh, it, it actually... it. Um, originally just meant a rule or a principle, but it, again, it wasn't until not too much further earlier than the 4th century that uh, Athanasius appears to be the first one to use that for the contents of Scripture. So it, it becomes a Christian term rather late in Church history. Fascinating stuff. Well, I know you've written a lot about this, and actually... Uh, the first most famous book you ever wrote <laughs> was about, uh, you know, why we have certain things in the Old Testament canon of Scripture that Protestant Christians don't have in their Old Testament canon of Scripture. And you also have a podcast related to this as well. Uh, let people know what resources you have about the canon besides this book, The Gospel Truth, which we're going to continue on with uh, next week. Yeah, it's uh, Why Catholic Bibles Are Bigger. That's put out by Catholic uh dot com Catholic Answers. Also, I have the Case for Digital Canon, which is also available on Amazon. 
And, uh, yeah, my podcast is called The Apocrypha Apocalypse, where uh, William Albrecht and David Zavaris and myself tackle all issues concerning those seven Old Testament books that aren't found in Protestant Jewish Bibles, but are found in Catholic and Orthodox Bibles. Turn over to Hands-On Apologetics and find all of it. It's linked very handily at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gary Machuda, it's always a fun conversation. Next week we get to talk about that Old Testament canon, and that's going to be kind of fun. So talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. We got headlines with Anna Mitchell coming up after the break. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Jack Williams, General Manager of EWTN Radio. As we look forward to the new year, we want to thank you for listening and encourage you to stay tuned in the coming weeks for some exciting programming announcements that are sure to make 2024 the best year ever for EWTN Radio. As we strive to continue the legacy of evangelization born out of Mother Angelica's vision, please keep us in your prayers and know that we pray for you daily. God bless you all. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. On the Facebook Live video, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, Kevin writes, Anna, I noticed that when reporting about Nick Saban's retirement, you said in his last game he lost in the Rose Bowl to the eventual national champs. You failed to identify that team as the University of Michigan. Oh, well, that was because that was literally the copy from my newswire. Yes, I'm sure it was. No, it really was. I'm very, I'm absolutely certain it was. You know what? I'm going to put a screenshot of my newswire with that story so that I can show everyone that I was simply reading straight from my newswire. All right. Well, then read straight from the newswire the headlines. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is urging Israel to work with the United Nations so it can get humanitarian aid into Gaza. Pope Francis focused on the deadly sin of gluttony as he continued his catechesis series on vices and virtues during his general audience yesterday. And the Holy Father met yesterday 
with members of a group that promotes dialogue between Christians and Marxists. Next newscast coming up at the top of the hour, but that'll be local. So for your EWTN family, tune in tomorrow morning at the top and bottom of each hour. It's 11 till. Right now we're joined by uh, Father Boniface Hicks. He's online at fatherboniface.org. He's the co-author of Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. Father Boniface, good morning. Good morning, Mac. Great to be with you. Great to be with you as well. And since you wrote, I won't say you wrote the book on prayer, but you wrote a book on prayer, uh, (laughs) at least. Uh, When it comes to the new year, I think all of us want to do better in this area. What are some uh, common pitfalls that people fall into when they try and overhaul their prayer routine in the new year? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I... I'm delighted if people want to do better as we go into the new year. I, I think uh, having the desire is actually the first point. And, and sometime if, sometimes if we've uh, run into some discouragement, we've tried to start and failed in the past, we might be tempted to uh, give up or lower our standards or, or not begin again, not try again. And uh, I guess that would be one of the first pitfalls is to not even try. Uh, but uh, if, if you do have the desire to grow in prayer, grow closer to the Lord, and um, this is a, a great time to start. New beginnings are always helpful, and, and kind of uh, doing it when everybody else is doing it is also helpful. I, uh, I'm, I'm the spiritual guide for Exodus 90 this year, so I'm, uh, I'm Yeah, that was going to be another of question and... of mine, right? Because, you know, it's one thing to do it solo, it's another thing to have a crowd around you when you're trying to pull this off. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and so it's been helpful for me. I mean, I'm a Benedictine monk. I have been for 25 years, but I also can uh, uh, get, get a little sloppy around the edges, and, and doing it together with others can be a real support. It motivates you in some of those little micro decisions to say, no, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to skip that. I'm not going to snooze that, uh, whatever it is, and uh, having the support of of uh, brothers and sisters in faith is a is a real help in in moving forward, and then I guess I would say you know not setting uh, unrealistic goals. I mean, if you've started and failed numerous times in the past, um, may, maybe something a little bit more modest that you can incrementally. It's a, incremental progress is an amazing thing. If you're you know zero is zero, but zero plus point one plus point one plus point uh, really adds up in a not. In a, in a reasonable amount of time. So just one step, what's one thing, what's one, uh, you know, one, one more, whatever, another minute, uh, another passage of Scripture, another uh, decade of the Rosary, whatever it is, just an incremental progress can make a huge difference. I think Father Mike Schmitz has shown us that with the Bible in a year, catechism in a year. If you just do one thing a day, you can cover a lot of ground. You definitely can. Uh, I say that as a person who is involved with a daily morning show, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> this is part of our goal is to take, you know, a little bit of a nugget from every conversation and, and help share it. Uh, but I know that there are some people who are uh, dedicated prayers of the rosary. Maybe they pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet every single day at three. Maybe they do a weekly holy hour, but they might feel a little bit stalled out, right? They might not feel like, you know, there's a bunch of emotional constellation coming from that. Not that that's the measure of any of this, uh, but maybe they just want to grow a little bit, right? They just want to take what they're already doing 
and just figure out a way to to really take another step forward in in that intimacy with God and that relationship with Christ. For a person who's already on that praying path, what would you say to them? Yeah, and I think it's really important to uh, to bring that out, Matt, and uh, and I'm glad that you did. Uh, it's not just about adding more stuff. Uh, you might feel kind of maxed mm-hmm. out, uh, and and so it's that's uh, going deeper is also uh, a, a really important pathway. And uh, I guess I I would uh, maybe look at that from two different points. One is, you know, you can always ask the Lord. I really love to go deeper. Um, just getting in touch with the desires of your heart, getting into the more vulnerable places in the heart, and bringing those into your prayer is uh, is the pathway to go deeper. So uh, maybe it's just expressing that and asking the Lord for His help. Uh, it also can be sometimes we feel stalled out because there are parts of our lives that we're we're not bringing into prayer. We we don't think. That they belong there, or we, they're not worthy of God, or they're not that interesting. Um, maybe there are, uh, as I said, little desires, uh, little parts of us that, that uh, we kind of leave at the door. We try to bring uh, our routine, or um, we try to accomplish something, but maybe it's a little fear, a little hope, a little dream, a, a little sadness. Uh, just some of the things that you might bring into prayer uh, in a new way. Um, and, you know, things like retreats are also real helpful for breaking through. Sometimes the, the routine needs to be broken, and uh, having, a, having a day of recollection or a weekend retreat can also help to break through the routine a little bit. Well, lastly, and just with a moment left here, uh, there may be some people tuning in who maybe grew up going to Mass and haven't been back for a while, or they came back to Mass for Christmas, or they're thinking about going back to Mass in the new year. What would you say to them to, um, if they've been away from the sacrament for, for a while, and all their other self-improvement and overhauls, to consider coming back to the sacrament of confession? Yeah, this is your year. Now is the time. It's... Uh... It's so exciting. You know, there's a lot of things that hold us back, but uh, take that step. Uh, the, the priest will receive you with great delight if you've been away for uh, a while, especially, and uh, it, it's a huge thing. Probably if you're in that position, you've thought about it a lot of time, so do it. Go to your local church good and, and go to confession. <laughs> Well, the priest receives me usually with great delight, even though it's usually only been about two weeks. So uh, I can tell <laughs> also you. Also true. <laughs> if you've been if you've been away significantly longer than that, um, he's going to be excited to talk to you. So thank you so much, Father Boniface Hicks, and uh, we've got your book, Personal Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Matt. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening to the Sunrise Morning Show here on this Thursday, the eleventh day. Of January. Matt, I hope you've gotten what? Will Uh-oh. you please confirm? Oh, can we bury the, the correction at the very end of the we'll we'll bury the correction at the very last the screenshot I sent you from my newsletter. I did indeed see the screenshot and the University of Michigan was not named as the eventual national champions. Thank you. It just said Nick Saban lost to the people who, who would eventually win. Didn't name the school. So exactly. you're off the hook. Thank you. You're off the hook. Thank you. Anna Mitchell, impeccable journalism. The screenshot also included <laughs> some news stories about Taylor. You have no idea how many stupid stories Anna filters out so that you can get good news. 
on a more Thank you, Matt. Thank you. We're back again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.